This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Saints podcast with a weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Saints FC open bracket cathartic close bracket this bumper episode will see us review Saints latest match the demoralizing 3-0 loss against West Bromwich Albion we'll hear from our final TSP international supporters club of the season as we welcome Victor from the Maltese Saints and finally spend plenty of time and energy looking ahead to another Wembley visit as Saints get set to take on Leicester City next weekend in the FA Cup semi-final. As part of the build-up to that, Jamie from Leicester Fan TV will provide an opposition view on how he sees the game going, Leicester's first FA Cup semi-final since 1982, and as we always like to include, a score prediction. From the Saints side of the fence, we've an extra body on the pod this week, alongside myself, Glenn, Stephen the Athletics' Dan Sheldon, is Eastley's own version of Cedric Suarez, a former marauding fullback renowned for his phenomenal crossing, is PA Media's Simon Peach. Evening, guys. Evening. Well, Evening. Don't put me in the same bracket as Cedric, for Christ's sake. Anyone. Matt Target, he's from Eastleigh, for goodness. Me and Matt Target are. Yeah, at one point, Peter, I wrote down an average fullback, and then I thought, well, I shouldn't put that because you take that the wrong way. Well, yeah. I'd like to think I'm a better bloke as well. (laughs) You wear socks. So there we are. I do wear socks. I've got ankle socks on on today, though, so maybe that says a lot about me. Yeah. Dan, I was thinking, I'm not sure if we've ever discussed, do you play much football or did you or anything like that? Because I was, I was thinking we've got quite a good little five-a-sides team here, really. So Yeah, I did as a as a kid and a teenager. I was playing, when I went to secondary school, it was kind of rugby-dominated, so played a bit of rugby. And I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades master of none. I'm a big fan of golf. I like playing golf. I, I'd opt for a, a game of golf over a, a game of football on a Sunday, I think, if I had the choice. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you're playing centre mid for us now, because obviously, uh, I think, Glenn, you were like, I was thinking you're like a Jack Stevens type, aren't you? You could sort of play centre back and push into midfield, and we know you're living off that 40 yarder at the Dal and things like that. That was about 100 years ago. Um, when you were just no, 24. I, 
I can't I can't play anymore. I try. No, we discussed it last week when I went in golf for, yeah. for a training session. It's ridiculous. No, I can't can't do it. Too old. Days are gone. <laughs> <laughs> in my head in my head I could still play in defence, yeah. but reality no. Has Steve ever told you about his free kick for Sutton? No, but he can do now. Well, there was a video of it. Yeah, well, there was a um, basically they did a when they dug up the grass pitch to put the 3G down about six years ago. Um, the last game that took place on on the grass pitch was a basically fans against sort of academy coaches game, and I mean they they stuffed us as as you'd expect because we're a bunch of fat slow heads. <laughs> but they um, yeah we got we got a free kick about ten minutes from the end, um, and we had um, club legend who's. Uh, Mickey Stevens, who's basically got the, I think he's got the all-time club appearance record. Um, he was he was playing on our on our side. I mean, he's he's in his fifties now, so he's he's not um, not fit. But you can tell he you can tell he played at a good pretty good level. And basically, we got a free kick on the edge of the area. Um, he was all set to take it. I I basically just took it off him. Said, No, I'm having this. Uh, whip, whipped it um, whipped it over the wall and in off the post. Nice, nice. So I love that, yeah, that was the last last ever goal scored on the grass pitch at Sutton United. Oh, like the Sutton United version of Matt Letizia, eh? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll update my notes then because I had you down as sort of scoring tons of goals at under 11s for Michael Marsh and Tinsbury. So clearly there's something more recent than that. So that's <laughs> that good. So, yeah, that definitely did happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that there we was, go. Um, so, no. Lost, lost in the realms of time. <laughs> well, as I say, good to have you with us, uh, Peachy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, especially, uh, I think last time was pre and post Mike Deangate at Old Trafford earlier this season, wasn't it? So hopefully it'll be uh, better than that. And um, before we get going, a couple of quick mentions to add this week. Firstly, just want to wish Matt Markstone of the Southampton Delivery Podcast all the best after he announced last week that he'd be taking a break from podding. Matt was one of the forefathers of the Saints podding scene and has done an incredible job week in, week out from his home in California. So just wanted to say good luck for the future, Matt, if you're listening. Listening. Secondly, the latest episode of Sporth SPORF Football Uncovered series is all about Saints. Hosted by Will Brazier, this series looks at some of the weird and wonderful journeys that clubs like Saints, Leicester, Man City, etc. have been on over the past few decades. Sports journalist and fellow Saints fan Nick Harris at Sporting Intel on Twitter features on all the episodes, as do I for the Saints one. Anyway, it's out now on Spotify, amongst other pod channels, and covers everything from Marcus Lieber to Ralph Hasenhutl, the Dale to Nicola Cortese, and Matt Letizier to Sheng Gao. Oh, a quick word of factual advice. When you get to the duck shooting bit, please feel free to replace duck shooting for clay pigeon shooting and defenceless ducks for defenceless clays. Thanks. Anyway, why not go and give it a listen if you're not already? And finally, a shout out to our newest TSP patron via patreon.com. It's Colt Baker in Dallas, Texas. Colt, great to hear you enjoy the podcast and thank you very much for signing up to become a TSP patron. Okay, underpinned by our global patrons just like Colt, this is TSP 157. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Dillacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints travelled up to the Hawthorns on Monday evening to face relegation threat in West Bromwich Albion, the game eventually finishing in an embarrassing 3-0 loss and to be honest if VAR worked properly it would have been worse than that. First things first, got to say well done to West Brom, thoroughly deserved victory. Dan, I can already feel Glenn chomping at the bit to get a lot of things off his chest but... While he sort of collects his thoughts, um, your views on the game and uh, result? Thoughts on the game, it was 
abysmal, but, but shambolic, lacked intensity. It was just an awful 90 minutes of football. I thought they were they were okay after the break. They weren't brilliant, but they were okay above substandard for 20, 25 minutes. And then the third goal just killed it off, and, and that was the game there and there. It was just surprising. Surprising, I think, is how I felt watching it. I was just, this is a team, and I, I was mentioning a couple of people before the game, and I thought, you know, credit to Ralph. He's gone full strength. You know, it would have been easy for him to rest players, but he's not. He's stuck to his word, etc. And you'd expect the players to come out firing. There's an FA Cup semi-final place up for grabs, perhaps a couple of fringe players that have just come back to the starting eleven. You'd think they'd want to go out and show what they're capable of. But what we saw was just abject. It was just awful, shocking, really, as, as I've said. And I think, I mean, I struggle to believe they're going to play like that again on Sunday. I, I did write uh, in my piece on The Athletic today that, you know, it is human nature. I mean, we're all human. We would... You know, if there's a big event coming up, it is natural for you to take your mind off something. I mean, let's say Peachy at the World Cup in Russia. If he's doing a, a quarter final, knowing that he's going to an England semi final, let's say a day later, hypothetically, you know, his attention is going to be on that England semi final. And that's not questioning Peachy's professionalism, so Sorry, please don't take it that way. Is fine. <laughs> I can see he's still on mute, so he's not got anything to add to this, so you're good. <laughs> Carry on. But it is human nature. Oh, he's come off mute. He's come off mute. Hold on. I've come off mute because I always get told off by you after the podcast for tapping in the background. So I thought if I mute myself, I will stop interrupting and tapping. But now you've made me. But no, I am very unprofessional. Steve's seen me on England away trip, so that's fine. <laughs> but it is, it is just human nature, I think, to, to drop your levels. And if you do that in the Premier League, it's that horrible cliche that there is no, there is no easy game and Southampton got punished for it and I think the scoreline flattered them it could have been four it should have been it should definitely have been four could have been five all in all a, a woeful evening and you know like I say I, I don't think they'll play like that again on Sunday but I mean I, I guess anything's possible after that mm, yeah I agree and Peachy's right I do always tell him off for, for making lots of noise but uh, Steve yeah out thought out four out run out played out scored out everything that I wrote down here yeah I think um in West Brom's situation, they're in kind of basically they've got to win more or less every game they've got left to, to have any chance of staying up. If they do, it would be absolutely ridiculous given how, how far adrift they've, they've been like up until, what, eight days ago. And I think you could kind of sense the sense the situation I mean, within about two minutes, really. They were they were swarming all over us and we barely got going. And... It was it was just one of those one of those it felt like one of those games where even if we were only at seventy or eighty percent, it's one of those games where a manager like Allardyce in the situation that West Brom are in is going to go into the dressing room and his his team talk is going to start with look they've got not a lot not an awful lot to play play for their mind is probably going to be on next weekend get in their faces and they're not going to want to compete and so it tra- so it transpired we we were we were second best second best all over the park um second to every loose ball played some really weird passes passes into danger that i mean i know that we try and play a fairly risky well risky in terms of every, how the way everyone perceives it but when you practice it enough then the the risk level kind of reduces but we played played a lot of sort of on the face of it risky passes into into danger zones and just got picked off 
Um, I mean, the second goal was an absolute prime example. The pass that the Ings played, he was trying, he was either trying to play it back to Bednarek or all the way back to Forster and just made a complete pig's ear of it. Presents it straight, straight to, um, straight to one of their players who, I mean, to be fair, he's still got a lot to do from there. And he's put an inch perfect cross to the far post for, for them to get the second goal. And for them to get, for them to have got the second so soon after the first, just kind of knocked, knocked any, any sort of stuffing we had. We'd had a 10 minute spell or so just before the, their first goal when they got the penalty where it kind of looked like okay we've we've kind of weathered that early storm and maybe we're kind of getting into it we managed to get a couple of passes through the lines and and Redmond and Walcott were running at them but invariably um the final pass wouldn't be good enough or they just get tackled but there was there was yeah as I say there was kind of 10 minutes we where you thought okay we're, we're finding our feet here and then we obviously leave the leave the space open right between the two centre-backs yet again for Pereira to come in and and win the penalty no fault on Forster I mean he's he's got a, he's got a challenge for the ball and but he's he's always he's always going to be um second best in that one Pereira was just far too quick for him um I do wonder whether um opposition players have seen that Forster will basically die really really early on every penalty and they just tap it down the middle and it just just seems to make it far too easy for him whereas obviously Johnston had, had done his homework on War Prowse later in later in the game and I mean that was an excellent save um, it wasn't this wasn't necessarily a bad penalty it's kind of going in the corner he's put plenty of power on it kind of summed up the evening though didn't it you knew you were yeah, going to oh, miss yeah, almost yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and I mean, this, the absolute state of my fancy Premier League team this weekend has just been <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's not not just through um, through the two Saints players I've got in there, but just absolute shambles that su- summed up um, the entire weekend. <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, come on then, Glenn. A bad night at the office, or uh, more to it than that, in your view? I, I don't know if I'd be bothered to talk about it. Players can be bothered. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the way I that's kind of the way I felt since the game that the players just couldn't be bothered. I, it was as Steve said. From the first minute, you could tell we were going to get beat. And I, I have a major issue with the way we went to 75 minutes before we changed anything. Um, I know that's Ralph's, Ralph's way is to kind of lead, you know, make minor changes, but that needed more than minor changes. Just moving players five yards one way or another or whatever minor tweaks were made. Um, to me, the only reason we came back into the game in the second half is because West Brom sat back. We didn't really force them back. I don't think we created many. I, I don't remember. John, I remember Johnston making one save from Armstrong. Yeah, straight down and the, straight, and, yeah. and the penalty save. That was kind of. No, he tipped one away from the corner, didn't he? And there was another Armstrong one that was that was straight at him. But to me, we didn't we didn't look like we were committed enough to try and score a goal. No one was busting a gut to try and score a goal. There was there was one opportunity where there was a rebound in the box and. Redmond was favourite to knock the ball into the net, but the defender wanted it more than he did, and he got he got back and made the block. There was there was no one busting a gut to try and score, and, and it reminded me a little bit of the Brighton home game where there was sort of at two nil we could have got back into it, but no one could be bothered. I hope that a couple of the players who played yesterday have played themselves out of the game on Sunday, and I know we're gonna we're gonna get onto that game, so I'll, I'll leave that one for now. But I hope it is purely down to the fact that they they had eyes on 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 next week but you know we play the same tactics we always play West Brom played against Chelsea last week and I know they were helped by the red card but they went with five at the back in that game they went with four at the back against us so they they've changed for the opposition you know we don't we play the same no matter what it's good to have conviction and it's good to have belief in in what you're doing 
but does it have to be exactly the same thing every time? I'm, I'm beginning to question that. You know, we, we've been in this rut, really. We've had a couple of results, but we've been in this rut for quite a while now. And, you know, we, we could easily have got beat by Burnley last week as well. Um, similar type of opposition. And the, the problems we had in the first half against Burnley was we just didn't really compete with them. And, and that's what, I, that's what, I, that's what went on the whole game against West Brom. But West Brom kept their foot on it more or less for 90 minutes, didn't let us back into the game. The first goal illustrated everything and you can play whatever tactics you like. The first goal was we cleared it, free header, free header, unmarked player, a second unmarked player, and then forced, forced to cut him up in the air. You know, thought it was a die of myself, but no, it wasn't. Um, you know, so it was just, it was just abysmal. And, and that's, that's just down to, to heart and wanting to compete with opposition players and and we just didn't do it so I hope we can ride it off and um, we can put in a performance next week but there are there are problems Um, I thought Oriol Romeo was massively missed yesterday the same the same as against Burnley we got six small players in the midfield and the attack and we, we just didn't seem to didn't seem to want to compete there was there was massive gaps between Warprouse and Diallo and the two centre halves, and which was very well illustrated by that third goal, just a pass straight down the middle. No one pressed in the ball, um, and the centre halves. When you make those two turn round, it's it's you know run towards their own goal. It's it's just not pretty, and it's only going to end one way. So we have to play as a team. We have to be compact, and if we don't do that on Sunday, we're going to be on the end of something quite nasty, I think. But uh, we can only hope that. You know, the right team is selected and the, and the players put in the uh, required amount of effort to, um, you know, to make the semi-final a decent game. Yeah. And just before I ask uh, Simon his thoughts, Glenn, because uh, he's probably drifted off and gone and had his dinner now or something like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, alongside giving Diallo and Redmond a three and Theo only one, which oh. uh, isn't a great sign. You, Ironically, you gave Musa Gineppo your GDLC man of the match and he came on in the 87th minute and that kind of summed it all up, really, didn't it? Because as I think you, I saw you say, he, he pretty much did more in five minutes than the rest of them. Well, I thought he and Adams made a difference. Um, they, they, they both tried to make things happen. Adams came closest to scoring in open play with that shot that he dragged just across the post. And Gineppo at least took a player on and got the guy to commit a foul. It was a very tired-looking foul by the fullback, to be honest. It was almost like he couldn't be bothered anymore. <laughs> and he brought him down. So, personally, I'd like to see those two players rewarded with starts on Sunday. But we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see what happens. But they certainly looked at least like they wanted to do something, unlike a number of the players who started the game. Yeah. Simon, we always try to remain fairly level-headed and uh, positive on here. I think anyone that listens to us regularly will uh, agree with that. But um, you called it a disaster afterwards, at least in meme form anyway, which is very 20 21st century but other words I've sort of seen trying to describe it lethargic shameful gutless abject embarrassing I could go on I think there's plenty of them what, what, what did you make of it and do you buy I'm not saying Dan's um, excuse but do you buy the general Wembley excuse that they have got one eye on that and you can get away with that almost um, I think they can get away with this result if they win at Wembley I don't think they can get away with this uh, that being on the horizon as an excuse I was at West Brom against Man United when West Brom should have been Man United I think that was early February or end of February it was one and was the coldest day of, of the year if, if I remember correctly and they were a good side there and you go through their results since then and they've the ones that they have lost have been very narrow Allardyce has got them set up in a good way they've made some decent signings Ainsley Maitland-Niles who obviously turned his Turned down the chance to join Saints because West Brom was man of the match last night. I think OK, Yukuzlu will come back to the Premier League either with West Brom if they stay up in the unlikely event they stay up or elsewhere. 
they've made some good signings and they're well drilled and they looked they they wanted it more last night. I don't there's no other there's no way you can look at that and think that Southampton wanted it as much as them for whatever reason. The the fifty fifty challenges, the second balls, they were they were almost all almost squarely won by West Brom in the first half. I was really relieved to actually have a call that I had to take in the first half, so I was only keeping half an eye on the first half and I was just recounting to the person on the other end of the line who doesn't really know much about football just quite how bad we were and I was relieved to be on the call uh, rather than shouting and screaming at the TV it was a really demoralising display and I went on Twitter and I saw people calling for Ralph's head and I made the audacious comment saying I still think he's a very good manager mm-hmm. which I do mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean he should be shouldn't be getting difficult questions uh, we've touched on the the lack of substitutions until the 75th minute, which to me just just is meant is, is bonkers. Even if that is your, you would rather not make changes, that's fine. But do you know what? Sometimes it might even be more effective if you do make the change because that will make the players go, oh bloody hell, he's taken off two of us at half time. We can't afford to do that again. And I know we got a, we dug ourselves out of a hole against Burnley, but you can't keep doing that. I mean, I watch Man United for a living, and they have won what eight or nine Premier League games from behind. That's Manchester United. Southampton can't afford to do that. We don't have the same quality of players. Yeah, but it's, um, a, it's, an, it's an anomaly when we do it, isn't it? I mean, we've yeah. done it once. We've done it once. Usually they stick it up on go, a board somewhere, don't they, in gold, gold font or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Usually we go behind and get hammered. And, and yeah. you know, so... The formation is another thing for me. Forcing the formation when you're putting sometimes square pegs and round holes just is, is illogical to me. We should be more adaptable, more versatile, because sometimes this formation will be played and we will look brilliant and dismantle sides if not in the score line in the in the pattern of play and but you you, you have to be more adaptable otherwise the teams are going to go oh Savannah up next 4-2-2-2 brilliant I wonder what we're going to have to do there so yeah I think I don't know I'm, I'm just I wish you wouldn't keep calling me on for these awful pods but like <laughs> it was it's just it's, it's demoralising no side has got fewer points in 2021 in the Premier League than Southampton. We're safe. We've got a cup semi-final to look forward to. But it's just, this needs to be, uh, we shouldn't forget where we've been and how, even how recently we've been there. But at the same time, changes need to be made this summer, not in terms of management, I don't think. Maybe the coaching staff needs a bit of a, a zhuzh. Maybe there's, well, we definitely need strength and depth um, in certain areas of the field. Otherwise, this is going to be re- Repeating again next season or, or worse. Mm. I'd just like to confirm that we did arrange your booking about three or four days before the game, Simon, so I think it's a bit unfair to blame me for that, but uh, there we go. Um, Dan, just to, to dwell on the, the subs for a little bit, because you obviously speak to Ralph a lot. You were in the, the post-match conference and things like that. I'm not saying that subs would have changed the game um, necessarily, because obviously we were fighting a losing battle anyway, but he, he obviously made that comment about the fact that he felt the best 25 minutes for Saints was after half-time. As Glenn sort of said, maybe that was more because West Brom had taken their foot off the pedal a little bit, but he did kind of say that he didn't feel the need to change it but do you kind of agree with what Simon said there that it's given one or two of them a kick up the backside and actually not just making changes for changes sake but almost just teaching some of them a a bit of a lesson saying that wasn't good enough and even if that's not the right player to bring in for that position I just want to freshen up and kind of you know kick you all up the backside a bit yeah I think so but then at the same time and I mean I'm I think that the subs issue has obviously been a really interesting topic over the past kind of 24 hours but then had I don't know, in that 25 minute spell had Southampton got a goal back or, or something, then no one would be calling for one or two players to be taken off to be given a wake up call. I think once it got beyond kind of 70 minutes, then I think there's an argument, right? Yeah. Okay. These guys just haven't, you know, it's not clicking. Let's take two of them off. 
even three of them off just to send a message. But then I think a problem you've got, and I kind of touched on this again in the piece today, and I think there are, it's kind of a systemic issue, I think, within within the dressing room, within the club or wherever, that when things go badly, they tend to go very badly. They don't, I mean, Burnley, okay, was a, a very good comeback and, and a good result that means that last night's result won't really see Southampton in any danger. But it just comes down to the fact that where are the experienced kind of players in that in that team, in that dressing room? Why are they letting this happen? And I think there are perhaps one, two, three, maybe four characters that if they're annoyed or if they're kind of in a in a bad mood, then perhaps everyone else needs to be in a bad mood that, that, that can sway the dressing room. So I actually think, as Simon said, I think when it gets to the summer, I think every summer seems to be an important summer for Southampton. But I think this summer especially, not just in signing players, but actually maybe getting a few out as well who are who are already at the club, maybe seeing one or two or maybe three of them go just to kind of reset things and and go from there. But yeah, the, the, to go back to the subs issue, sorry, it's yeah, it's, it's been an interesting topic for the past 24 hours. I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. Had Southampton scored two goals in that 25 minute spell, no one would be talking about Ralph not making changes. The fact they didn't, it's now become a topical issue. So, yeah, I, I don't really know where I, I stand on it. I think it's easy to say, yeah, he definitely should have made changes now because they lost a the game 3 0. But equally, you know, everyone would be calling him a genius for not making changes had they come back and won 3 2 again. So, I mean, I don't know. But is the, sorry to interrupt, but isn't the issue that there was no signs of life? And for, for once, Southampton did actually have a strong bench. Yeah, and that, like, that, is, that it's is not, it. It's yeah. not like I mean, two months ago when you had players no. to Google. He yeah. had options. Yeah, yeah, He had options, and for a long time he has moaned about options. And I remember there was a time when, I think it was during Project Restart last year, Peachy may remember that he was talking about five subs, or you know, that all the managers seemed to be pushing quite hard for five subs, and you know, you'll, you'll struggle to see Ralph make three at times. The excuse of not having anyone on the bench has gone. It's just, I do, I can see his argument that, well, I thought the players would play. I can see that argument. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can see his point of view that, well, I thought the players were playing pretty well for 20, 25 minutes, so I didn't want to change it. But then, again, the flip side is, well, by then it's too late, so... I can't imagine many managers who who would have sat through their team playing that badly in the first half and not made a change at half time. I can imagine even less that would have let it virtually go on for the next sort of 10 minutes of the second half without making a change by the hour mark. And I've gone on about this before, but Alex Jankovic, he could have come on at half time. The game was dead anyway. We were always going to lose. What would have been the harm of sticking him on for the second half in, in place of Diallo, who was having a shocker, by the way? What would have been the harm in doing? OK, he might have drop kicked someone and got sent off again. But in the, in the normal scheme of things, what would have been the harm of giving him a game? We might have found out then if he was you know, a decent option to play in that position or not. Or it might have put an, you know, another nail in the coffin of his seeming way out of the club that he seems to be on at the moment. You know, when we when he made the subs, it was the, it was the same old same old, wasn't it? It was the the ones you probably knew were going to come on. They they come on. Okay, two of them did okay, as I said. But I I just thought, you know, you've got got to get something out of the game. And even if you find out if Jankovic can do it, or or even I think Will Ferry was on the bench. I mean, you could have put Will Ferry on at left back instead of Bertrand because Bertrand couldn't be bothered. He was one of the worst out there. And he, he's one of the ones, and I'm jumping ahead again, but he's one of the ones that if we had any alternative, I wouldn't play him on Sunday. And he'll probably play well now because it's a big game and all that. But 
he was atrocious yesterday. Would Fred get in the team? <laughs> well, well my, mate, my mate Fred, he'd get in our team. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, I don't anyway. know if people saw that the other day, but that was excellent timing. <laughs> it was. Yeah, we we all have a habit of doing that, don't we? I think. Yeah. So uh, I, I remember uh, asking what. Um, Ramsey offered Arsenal once, then he scored two goals against Tottenham quite quickly. So yeah, I think we all have a habit of that. But yeah, I think just um, just finally to finish on that point before I ask Steve about uh, Plan B, I think it's important that uh, this doesn't come across as a, a Ralph bashing completely because I think, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Glenn, it's quite clear the players didn't do themselves any justice whatsoever either. So there's uh, uh, plenty of blame to apportion here. But um, Steve, just before we uh, finish, because uh, I think we're all keen to move on and talk about the uh, the Leicester-Wembley game. Plan B, Steve, it comes up a lot. Um, as the guys have sort of mentioned, the 4-2-2-2, everyone kind of knows about it now I mean I, I was out for the first half yesterday at my uh, son's football training I saw someone tweet uh, I think it may, may have been Glenn actually saying all they're doing is playing in the gaps of our press and things like that it's like teams know what we're going to do and we've spoken a lot about that so do you think almost alongside the signings in the summer this plan B plan C is something that Ralph and the team really really need to look at so that they can kind of catch teams off guard occasionally yeah I think so I mean the fact that if, I mean, as you say, everyone knows exactly how we're going to set up. I mean, barring maybe one or two individual individual team picks on a week-by-week basis, depending on who's fit and who's in form, I think most of us can probably name our 11 ahead of ahead of every single game and that that me and if we can do that then that means the opposition can do that and they've all had the benefit of poring over video analysis um working out w- where our weak points are i.e basically everywhere and they they can formulate plans on how to um how to get how to get around it and yeah we've we've definitely got to develop some sort of kind of counter effective way to to stop that i mean whether that's a slight variation in the way that we um, go out with plan A in the first place, because let's face it, that plan A isn't really working at the moment, or whether it's having multiple different systems that we can switch to. I mean, this season's obviously been different in that nobody's had any real preparation time for the vast majority of the season. So developing multiple systems and getting players comfortable in those systems is difficult. I, I accept that. But other teams seem to manage at least some sort of variety. There's there's at least an acceptance that oh if if we go, if we're two 0 down and we've we've brought these players on this is how we're gonna this is how we're gonna set up and these are the um, the key little tweaks that we're gonna do. And yet there doesn't appear to be any of that. It is literally okay. This is the system. This is how we're gonna play. If if someone's not playing well, we'll take them off and we'll put someone else in exactly the same position for them to do to for them to do exactly the same things only hopefully a little bit better and i don't quite know what how we kind of thought we'd get through the whole the whole season that way to be honest yeah glenn just briefly then uh, before we come on to the leicester preview win at wembley on sunday and that west Brom game will be quickly forgotten won't it yeah it will be it will be i'm, I'm getting uh, pretty uh pretty hard about a game which is basically in the context of our season a dead rubber it doesn't really it won't really mean that that maybe it'll do more good than bad you know maybe that'll teach Ralph a few things as Dan said you know there's a few players that maybe have uh, put themselves in the shop window indirectly and things like that so who knows maybe the we'll get more positives out of it than we've come up with yeah maybe I mean I've I've changed my mind on uh, a couple of players based on that performance (laughs) (laughs) whether I whether I actually want them around next season yeah it's an interesting point that um, Dan made I think about you know, some of the sort of players who've been there a while need to be out the door. But um, yeah, win on Sunday. And, you know, as I, I saw an article written by one of the, the Saints fanzines today about we could still be on course for our best season ever. And it's a really weird thing to say after the sort of colossal lows that there have been this season. But yeah, we could actually, you know, 
there's still everything to play for. Whether it happens or not, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, certainly, basically, win on Sunday and this West Brom game will be consigned to history. Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. Well, ahead of our FA Cup semi-final preview, it's time for our final TSP International Supporters Club of the season as we travel over to Malta to hear from Victor Galea. Total Saints Podcasts, International Supporters Club. Well, Victor, firstly, thank you very much for joining Total Saints Podcast. It's great to have you on this International Supporters Club. Um, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about yourself where you're based and how you started following Saints. First of all, thanks for the opportunity and giving us Saints supporters from abroad um, to interact with you local guys. Originally, I have I didn't come from a footballing family. Um, my dad wasn't really involved into football, neither, neither was my mum. So um, basically, my dad, who's Maltese, he emigrated to the UK and started working in, in Southampton Port. Mm-hmm. And he met up with my mom, who was an Eastie girl. So um, then, um, 1980, I came along, and I spent the first three years of my childhood in living in Eastleigh. So um, after that, my dad decides to move back to Malta because he got a bit, like homesick. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the weather the weather didn't help so <laughs> to, to get him homesick because I mean we got beautiful we're blessed with the weather over here in in, in Malta, but. Basically, um, we came over to, to Malta, and that was there. So, um, I, I, like I, I just said, we, we weren't really into football and everything. So, in 2003, um, I used to frequent um, a pub, and the, the guys who, who used to come to this pub said, um, listen, they said, you are from Southampton, aren't you? And I said, yeah. They said, well, they're fairing quite well this season. They said they're going to, to um, Cardiff for, for the final against Arsenal. I said, okay, that's, that's good. So if I said, well, I don't follow football, so I, I wouldn't know. So eventually, um, my mum, who went back residing back in the UK with my younger brothers, we were talking and I said, Southampton are going to play in the final, aren't they? And she said, yeah, they're going to play in the final. She said, um, quite good this year and everything. I said, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's something nice. Because I knew my younger bro- brother, Tim, um, was into football and he had he used to go regularly to St. Mary's mm-hmm. football matches and all. So uh, she said, you're getting involved in football. I said, well, not really. I said, but it's a nice thing, yeah, happening for the local community. And she said, yeah, she said, I'll send you something nice. So she sent me a Saints replica shirt and a couple of match day programs. So I saw the match and I said, yeah, they actually played quite good. That's Southampton. I mean, we, we did pull a decent performance and all. Yeah. So that got me sort of a bit intrigued. Like I said, I wasn't really into football or anything. So it was a bit of a, you know, when you get converted into something. So basically that summer, um, I'm going through the match day programs and reading a bit of history and all and do my sort of find out about Southampton. And funny enough, there used to be a page uh, dedicated to uh, Global Saints, and I found a contact number of a guy um, trying to create a fan base over here in Malta, a guy called Gilbert. He's our president nowadays. 
I contacted Gilbert and I said, hi, Gilbert. I said, um, are you local? And he said, yes, I live on the island. I said, so do I. I said, so do we have a club? And he said, well, I've done a couple of ads on the newspapers and I've, I've got a couple of hits back. I mean, so a couple of guys contacted him mm-hmm. and they said that they were Saints fans. I said, so why don't you meet up? He said, because no one really brought it up. And I said, let's start meeting. So, um, season 2004, we started meeting up. Yep. So, it was a bit of a rubbish season, because, I mean, we did get relegated that season, but we, we met up, we, in the beginning, we used to be uh, me, Gilbert, John, Steve, and Jason, um, following Saints. I mean, that's the, the first match we met in a local pub, yeah. and we saw our first match, and... I forgot who, against who we played, but it was a loss. And I said, well, listen, at least we met up together. We chatted. We had fun. I said, because, I mean, we're not a lot of supporters in the island, are we? So eventually, as the season burned out, um, and it was a bit of a bad season, I mean, we were like 15 members. So I said, well, I hope that we don't get relegated or anything, because if we get relegated this season, all of the effort and all of our, like, sort of, the friendship bond we've built between us, it's going to go down the drain. So uh, we did lose the last game against Man United. And the following seasons, we were relegated in championship and the games were like sort of limited. And we subscribed to the Saints player and we used to even meet up to just listen to matches. But as long as we would be together, we used to enjoy each other's company. It's been really a, a lovely journey. I mean, bear in mind that, like I said, I'm not from a footballing family. Nowadays, um, I'm part of the local team um, committee. I'm, I'm the treasurer of the local village team committee, which for more than a decent-sized village, we play in the um, local league. My wife helps in the local in the local team's nursery. Mm-hmm. My two children attend to the nursery. So basically, from nothing, we've really sort of got into football. Can't imagine my life without football <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Crazy, that's crazy. And I know you shared some excellent photos, Victor, which we'll be sharing through our social media of uh, the sort of Maltese uh, Saints and your travels and mm-hmm. things like that. But a couple of sort of favourite games that you've maybe attended in person, because I know you've managed to get out and watch Saints either in the city or around Europe, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we've been all over the place. I mean, I was going to send a couple of more, but I kept it <laughs> low on the picks. But apart from that, um, so basically, I had done a couple of cartridge operations in my knees. And I ended up home um, two weeks without going to work. Oh, I said, what am I going to do in these two weeks? I mean, I, I'm, I'm homebound. I can't go outside because of infections or anything. Working where I work, I can't leave home. So basically, I had to stay home. Yep. And two weeks doing nothing, I was going to go potty. So I said, now's the great time to um, design a Southampton flag. I'm quite good at drawing. <laughs> so basically, uh, you've got a couple of pictures of it. Um, I, I drew... Um, a two meter by three meter flag, yep. which has got Southampton FC Malta in the middle, which is the address of our um, webpage, mm-hmm. and the the emblem, which is a meter in itself. Yep. On the left side and on the right side, the Knights Cross. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's the Maltese Cross. Yeah. It's uh, a thing. Yes, it's, it's it's the Maltese Cross. I mean, it's synonymous with all the people in the world. When you see the Knights Cross. Yep. You, you'd say, all oh, right, the Knights of St. John, which were located in Malta. So mm-hmm. it's, it is synonymous with us. And basically, this flag um, was like our advert when we would go to St. Mary's. And uh, we would hang it over in the disability areas. We've taken it to Wembley to see the Johnston Pate Trophy. Yep. 
it's brought us luck for the 8-0 match against Sunderland um, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, it's been to Leighton Orient, St. James Park in Exeter. Yeah. It's been up to um, Goodison Park. It's been to Inter Milan, San Siro. Yeah, um, yeah. For the European matches, yeah, yeah. So it's been around, it's been around. It's always it's brought us luck. It's brought us happy moments and and weird moments. I mean, but I mean, you know, so supporting Saints, uh, it's ups and downs. But what can you do? Well, yeah. we we're, we're always loyal to the end. Yeah. Indeed. What about the current team then, Victor? Just to touch on that, we're recording uh, just after the um, game against Burnley, which was obviously a roller coaster. But what are you making of Saints and Ralph this season? Well, I mean, fair play to the admin that have stuck up with Ralph. I mean, it's I, I haven't heard of any coaches uh, who have passed through the turmoil that Ralph and the squad has passed. Eh? I mean, it's not a joke uh, conceding nine goals uh, in two separate seasons with the same coach. I mean, all right, he's passed the landmark, 100th match for Southampton. Yep. And that was last heard of when we had Nigel Atkins at the helm. So fair play to our... Uh, committed guys sticking with Ralph I mean I, I do believe that he's the right person in charge at the moment he's working with what he's got so I mean what can you do well we don't have that depth in squad although uh, selling our best assets isn't helping our situation but I mean it's it's uh, footballer mm. I mean what can you do when a club comes offering crazy money to a player and basically uh, the footballing career is a short-lived career so you get the most that you can out of it yeah yeah i mean all right danny ings should be signing a new contract and all vestiga should be signing a contract um there were talks with him going to man city but um they've calmed down a bit lately but i mean what can you do i mean they've offered danny ings to be the highest paid player for southampton yeah which okay uh, fair play to the guy and all but i mean then the other players would say, but listen, Southampton FC, the, our football club, ain't just Danny Ings. Mm. So if you give him recognition to the importance of Danny Ings, you might as well give us recognition uh, to ourselves. So everyone would want like a pay rise. And can we really afford it? Uh, I don't mm. think so. Eh? In today's day and age, with the COVID thing going on and sponsors... Um, it's a hard situation it's a hard, hard days ahead of us eh? so uh, crazy money isn't a thing that we've got in hand yeah. yeah looking ahead to the FA Cup semi-final this weekend coming against Leicester City then what do you fancy for yeah. Saints' chances for that Victor are you confident or not uh, listen alright Leicester Leicester blow hot and cold you know Leicester blow hot and cold I mean we uh, on our day, when we want to play, we can play against anyone, mm-hmm. the top six. I mean, on our day, we're good enough to play against anyone. I mean, first part of the season, we were buzzing. First place in the beginning of December. I mean, credit to Ralph. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, it, we've, we've had some bad bad days with Ralph and everything. I mean, first time around when we lost against Leicester, 9-0, I was in the game. My mum was over here on holiday right. and we were still in the match. And after first half, losing 4 nil, uh, I looked at my mum and I said, Mum, I said, I can't stand seeing it. And she said, well, let's put down the volume and continue chatting and playing with the kids and just keep it on. And she said, you never know and everything, but you never know, yeah. But it was terrible. But, I mean, we, we sort of always managed to find a way. If we play 
especially playing against, uh, like we played against Burnley on Sunday, if we play as a team, I mean, Redmond's getting back to his couple of seasons. I mean, Redmond is, is showing why we've got Redmond. Yeah. Okay, when he when he wants to play, he's he's fantastic. James Ward-Prowse, he felt a nickel. He could have played with the England squad, but I think he, he put in mind that, listen, Southampton need him more than the English squad. Mm-hmm. So he, he was pulled out, or at least that's what they're saying. He pulled out from the national team to be fit for Southampton. I mean, it speaks volumes of the player. Foster, I've always rated Foster. Foster is... For me, okay, he's he's had some bad patches and all, but I mean, he done the job for us. He done yeah. the job when he went to Celtic, and he looks like to be back to his usual best. Um, I reckon we we'd manage to pull one over Leicester. Yeah, I, I mean, not by a large margin, because I'd imagine we would score and then go defensively against them. Because I mean, the likes of Vardy and. Leicester are Leicester, yeah. the yeah. decent squad. They've progressed a lot through the years. Uh, from when when they won the Premier League, I mean they've always been a top team. Yeah. And fingers crossed, uh, fingers yeah. crossed. We play with the with the spirit that we played against Burnley. We we should manage to to get a win. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. And just to finish, um, focusing back on the supporters club out there, then you obviously mentioned earlier about the uh, five of you catching up initially there with the group, but just uh, yeah, to finish yeah. up then, Victor, kind of tell us about the, the group now then, because we were talking just before we started, and you said it's up to about 40 Saints fans now, is that right? Yeah, we've got a minister. <laughs> we've got a minister, we've got a journalist, we've got a couple of doctors, or a doctor, a doctor and a dentist, yeah. Um, we've got local lads from all circles of life. <laughs> Every job, uh, well, I mean, it's an overpopulated island. We're the most overpopulated um, place in the world, basically. Right. When you take uh, the, the size of the island to the density of people who live here, we're the densest population uh, in the world. Right. And basically, some of us got Southampton FC as their beating, but uh, most of us are Saints fans. Uh, most of us have got relations living in the UK or were like UK residents. But we got a good thing going on. I mean, there was a, a guy who came living in, in Malta, um, Steve, and he owned a bar. So lately, before this COVID thing started, we used to meet up in his pub. Yeah. And he used to enjoy himself. We used to love it and all. And through thick and thin, we've always managed to meet up and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. We've even organised like tours, well tours. But we, my mum used to help us out in purchasing tickets. Mm-hmm. My late brother Tim. Um, we've always found help with guys who actually work with the stadium hall, who've got links with the stadium, like the historians Duncan Holly, David Ball. Yep. Uh, I would like to give my regards to Herbert Taylor, who would use um, a stadium tour guide for like um, over time. 25 years. Yep. Yeah, and he's helped us out on on various occasions. Um, so. We've enjoyed every every step of it. I mean, for the Johnston Pay Trophy, we managed to go up um, a group of 12 multi-saints. Brilliant. And the club's been great with us. 
Um, we're recognised with the club abroad, and basically we've got a good relation with them. Yeah, brilliant. And are you guys managing to to keep in touch? Obviously, yeah, the pandemic's uh, not great, but are you still managing to keep in touch? I know. I think you said you got a WhatsApp group, so there's obviously a good sort of camaraderie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got a WhatsApp group, and we daily post on it. Um, so, I mean, news of Saints during matches. So it's like all, all the time going on. Um, like it wasn't a penalty decision. We're all like, um, we got. It's like being in a pub, but without the pub. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, we've got good contacts, and hopefully we will put this COVID behind us, and we'll come up to the UK, yeah, and do our stuff. Yeah, it's a dreaded situation to be around in that at the moment. But what can you do? Well, you make the best out of the situation you've got at hand. Yeah, totally. And just finally then, Victor, um, not just for people based out of Malta. I mean, I, I suppose that's been part of the fun of doing this and working with guys like Trevor to sort of connect with different supporters clubs around the world. But uh, if there's someone listening to this in Malta who isn't currently part of the group, which I find very hard to believe, but if there's other people around the world Ooh. that are keen to connect with you guys or have got Maltese relations or things like that and, uh, you know, follow Saints, what are your social media handles and how can people kind of get in touch or follow you guys as a group? Well, I would suggest our Facebook page, Southampton FC Malta. I'm the admin of it, so I check it on a daily basis and just contact us, send us a message and we'd gladly meet up with you guys. We'll take a couple of beers, barbecue. <laughs> Sounds good, huh? I'm <laughs> on my way. Our local, yeah, <laughs> local place and all. I mean, yeah, we're, we're saints. Yeah. We, we, we stick out for each other. Yeah. We, we, we love each other. Yeah. We, we, we're a family-like um, club. Yeah. We, uh, we're the never-dying uh, underdogs. Yeah. We, we never give up. Yeah. It's, it's strange, but... Like I said initially, yeah, our local club got founded in an irrigation season and mm. like morale was down to zero. Then we went to the championship. We were limited to football matches. Then we went down to League One, which was even worse. Mm. I mean, League One football matches back like 10 years ago, you, you wouldn't even have a sniff to see in a football match. I mean, it, it was dire, but we mm. stood with the team through thick and thin and we're now stronger more than ever. Uh, we're saying so. We never die. We march on. <laughs> it's the last supporters' club of the season, uh, Victor. And I have to say, the way okay. you've summed up that is uh, a brilliant way to end this feature for the season. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Do you know what I've got to say? And I'm sure there's lots of Saints fans listening to this around the world that will say it's mm-hmm. people like you and you know that group on Malta, which is absolutely epitome of. Uh, being a Saints fan and as you say and I think it's fantastic that you guys have got such a, a brilliant group there and uh, I would just finally say firstly thank you very much for joining on this and, and most importantly to you and all thank the guys you. out there you know keep well keep safe and hopefully you can get across to St Mary's again soon cheers can't wait for it whenever anyone who's listening would come and visit our beautiful island just go uh, Southampton FC Malta and basically we'll gladly meet up with you guys okay take care guys Well, as I mentioned earlier, that's the last of our International Supporters Club feature for this season. Hopefully you've found them all interesting and enjoyable. Alongside Victor, I'd like to thank all the other global guests we've had on during 2020-21. Francisco in Argentina, Ilya in Bulgaria, Yermund in Norway, Barrett in India, Trevor in Australia, Panos in Greece and Alec over in the USA. Through speaking to all of them and their respective Saints supporter clubs, We've racked up 30,362 virtual miles, which, given its distance of 24,901 miles, is comfortably more than once around the world. 
I do have to again say a special thanks to Trevor in Australia for all his assistance in making this feature happen. I'd not have been able to make contact with the guys if he hadn't shared some of the various group information he's accrued over his time working on the Global Saints project. So Trevor, thank you. Don't forget that you can find more on Global Saints by searching for Global Saints FC on Facebook or at Global Saints FC on Twitter. Alternatively, you can enter the Global SFC hashtag on both social media platforms. Whether it's to find out more about groups or meetups in your region, or just to share stories or memories with other Saints fans around the world, Global Saints FC is the place to head. For now, though, it's Buenos Dias, au revoir, and good day, mate, to the TSP International Supporters Club. This is the Total Saints Podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. This coming Sunday, the 18th of April, sees Saints take on Leicester City at Wembley in the 2020-21 FA Cup semi-final. If my maths are correct, it will be the fifth time in 40 years that Saints have featured in an FA Cup semi-final and the second in four seasons. In a minute, we'll hear the thoughts of Leicester fan TV's Jamie. But before that, Dan, a big game in Saints season now for several reasons. This is their season, isn't it? I think it... As Glenn just mentioned, that there's nothing left to play for in the league, so all you've got is the FA Cup. It's it's a very big game. I, I would say Saddam don't get to the semi-finals all too often, but they're only there, as you said, a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a really fascinating game. I think I I think they're going to be helped by the fact that what's going on at Leicester at the moment. Now I know Leicester aren't exactly on an awful run. They've lost four out of their past nine, I think, but they've got a few off-field issues, haven't they? There's you know, all the players are going to COVID parties, etc. So watching the league of that, their own. Yeah, that's gonna um certainly overshadow their week and you know, there's gonna be plenty written about James Madison and and Co. over over the coming days. But from Southampton's point of view it's this is a chance to, to get to, to get to a final and you know, Ralph's never made it this far in the tournament and he's learning all the time. And for a lot of the players that, you know, may not get another opportunity like this you just don't know do you you don't know how how often these are going to come around they've they've targeted the fa cup from the get-go they've picked strong teams in pretty much every round they've yet to concede a goal so they should go there regardless of what happened last night regardless of what on monday night sorry with with confidence and they've shown in recent years that on their day they can beat anyone they've beaten tottenham they've beaten man city they've beaten chelsea arsenal so so why not? I think that we should, we should, well, there, there should be optimism. Leicester, they're, they're not going to be an easy team, but as I've said, they've, you know, they've hit a bit of a bad spell. I think I've been really impressed with how, um, Ineacho stepped up over the past kind of 10, 10 He's been really impressive. I think it's 11 goals in 11 games or something like that. And, you know, he, he's a threat. He's a worry. But beyond that, I think, why not? It's, it's a one-off game. Ralph's going to be, you know, demanding a response. I know whenever Southampton need to respond, kind of a la the 9-0 games, they never do. But hopefully, hopefully we do actually see one on Sunday because it's a brilliant occasion. Um, as I said before, the only real shame is that there's not going to be 40,000 Southampton fans there able to witness it. But, you know, fingers crossed it, if they get a good result, then, you know, then hopefully some fans could be at the final. I, I don't know what the deal is with that at the moment. One Southampton fan who will be there is Simon Peach with his little rosette on trying to keep uh, quiet in the press box. Um, let's try and be positive, Simon, based on the uh, first half of the pod. Are you looking forward to it now we got this far? Well, I'm looking forward to the fact that I won't have to listen to talk of 9-0 on the TV, although the commentators in the press box are quite loud. No, I mean, look, this is the third FA Cup semi-final in my lifetime. I was there in 2003. I was actually caught on camera in the 89th minute biting my nails. Nice. Um, Back in the day of the 
the ginger genius Gordon Strachan, the Marsden, the, the Swedes. That was such um, a good day out, wasn't it, at Villa Park? It was. It's actually probably my favourite ever. I, I'd agree with memory. you. Memory. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I got to say the. I, the one, the, the trip to Wembley in 2018 or 19. The fact I don't even remember the year tells you how forgettable that was, <laughs> and that was because of everything that was going on around us. This time we're obviously all but safe, so this is the carrot at the end of a pretty challenging season on so many different levels. So yes, I'm sure I will be looking forward to it more. I've booked my COVID test. Hopefully it goes better than the other one that I took uh, <laughs> back at last year. It's going to have 4,000 people there. It'll be the biggest attendance I'm guessing since. Notts County Eastley, which I went to the, the day after the Premier League was was cancelled. There was about 5,000 people. There'll be 4,000 people there. It's a shame there's no Southampton fans. And the fact that there could be or should be for the final should really kick Saints on and be something to to give something back to the fans that have had to put up with so much on and off in supporting their club and away from the club in far more serious trying circumstances. So, yeah. I'm talking myself up to up for it now. I am looking forward to it. It's going to be a it's going to be an actual. It will be a privilege to be there. I know we will say yeah. that, but you haven't sat through West Brom versus Man United <laughs> when it's minus four and you're trying to tie it. So, but this one will be, and I just hope that Saints can give everyone something to smile about and something to look forward to heading into into the final weeks of the season. Here, here. Everyone that's made it this far, that's stuck with us, is now feeling really positive like me, Simon. So well done. And uh, yeah, Steve, in, in your view, I mean, as Dan mentioned, uh, to be fair to Leicester, it was Man City and West Ham. So they're two sides that are informed. But Leicester will come into this on back-to-back defeats as well. But do, do we think all the pressure's on them? They're, they're going to be the favourites here, surely? Um, yeah, I guess so. And I mean, as, as you mentioned, they've not they've not even been as far as the semi-finals since before I was born. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a degree of pressure on them given that they're, they're the side that's, that's in the champions league spot. They've been, they've been there basically all season. And I mean, it does on the face of it. I mean, take, take out the sort of context of obviously playing city last week. And, and this week they've gone in with, without three, four or five members of their squad, depending on which report you believe, based on disciplinary issues. And it does kind of look as if they're doing their doing their level best to kind of collapse and stumble over the line again, like they did last season. Obviously, Man United pipped them on the final day to that last Champions League spot. And yeah, they've they've kind of looked a little bit iffy in in recent weeks. So that'll be something that 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 we should be looking looking to target. There are there are certainly areas of their team where when they're not at full strength or if they're slightly below par, then yeah, there's there's areas that we can we can get at them. It's it's a case of can we turn it back on again having switched off completely last night? That's the that's the big question because I don't see that the eleven is going to change very much. Um you might have I mean, personally, I'd I'd put Adams back in because I don't really understand quite why he ended up being dropped in the first place. But I think the the side that we put out there is isn't going to be an awful. As I say, it's not going to be a whole lot different from from last night. But they've got a they've got to have a completely different attitude. And whether that's as I say, whether that's something psychologically you can just turn um, switch back on again after after such a kind of low 90 minutes or not i don't gonna find don't out really know mm. yeah i mean we'll yeah i mean we'll find out by um what 6 35 on um uh on sun on sunday evening as as to whether we're uh as to whether we're up for the game um that for that first five minutes is going to be is going to be crucial i think just to 
kind of set set the tone if we if we start all right then then you can kind of say okay we're 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 in this game and we can we can see how it goes but if we if we let them run at us from the start then we're going to be in a in a whole world of trouble i suspect yeah and based on years gone by glenn that's how we like it then we'd be in uh, wembley underdogs yeah i guess so you know if we took <laughs> Well, where are, we, where are we going back to? 1976? <laughs> well, yeah. well yeah. I, I suppose you could say, were we underdogs against Carlisle in 2010, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking no, no, 1976, no, no. Glenn, no, yes, before my time. Moment. Yes, yes, I guess so. I don't think it's uh, it's it's wholly relevant. I can't imagine uh, Laura McMenemy is going to be in the dressing room rallying the troops. Well, but, maybe he uh, should be. Maybe he should be. Yeah, maybe maybe he should be, but probably not in this day and age. Um, at these times, can't imagine he's hanging out with James Madison at any parties either. He's still recovering but, uh, from you and me talking to him, boring him, to be honest. Yeah, think, yeah. yeah possibly so. Possibly <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I, we're undoubtedly the underdogs going into the game. Um, you know, I think... Too much has been made of Leicester's recent crisis. At the end of the day, they're still third in the league. They're above Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal, the traditional, you know, four members of the traditional big six. So, they're, you know, they're still a very good side. I, I was looking at the lineup they've got. They had out against West Ham. Uh, and if you look at it, it you know, Iannaccio, Vardy, Tielemans and Didi, Dennis Pratt, Fafana. Evans, Schmeichel, you know, it's a good side, isn't it? Even without those players. And I would imagine Madison will play. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why we're, um, that's why we're the underdogs. And, and that's why it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, but if Saints, if Saints play well, then, you know, we've beaten Leicester in, in recent times. If we play well, we know we can beat them. But if, uh, if we're not up for it, then it's going to be a difficult afternoon. But, uh, yeah, hopefully being underdogs will suit us and uh, and hopefully the pressure will get to them a little bit. Well, earlier this week, I caught up with Jamie from Leicester Fan TV to get his thoughts on the game from a Fox's angle. Here's what he had to say. Jamie, thanks for joining TSP for this opposition preview of the semi-final. Um, really do appreciate it. It's Leicester's first FA Cup semi-final since 1982 when you lost to eventual winners Spurs. Um, my research also tells me that uh, you beat Saints 3-1 in the third round that season as well. But let's quickly... Uh, brush over that but um yeah for, no, for... No, let's go back to that one come on let's go back to that one don't push over it that three three one i think it was I, I saw gary lineker even scored yeah i think i think it was gary lineker alan young and steve lineck scored that day i think if i remember yeah. rightly i wasn't there but uh, yeah I, I was one yeah. years old so yeah i was 12 there you go so uh, but yeah i mean 40 years on how are, are foxes fans feeling about finally getting to another semi-final in this competition well, like I say, it's been 39 years since we were last in the in the semi-final. I mean, we've never won an FA Cup full stop. We've had, we've been four yeah. times and we've lost four times, which is for a club our size. I know we're not one of the big boys, but we should have been to more finals. I mean, if you look at teams like Wigan, uh, even yourself, Southampton, you've been to mm. quite a few finals. Uh, we should have been to more finals. We've had opportunities, but we we seem to just get so close and then just fall at the final hurdle, unfortunately. But mm. as it's the first one in 39 years, and a majority of our fans have never seen Leicester in an FA Cup semi-final. They're looking forward to it. And when the draw came out, I think it's even the same with Southampton fans. When the four teams in there, Leicester, Chelsea, Man City and Southampton, we wanted Southampton. I presume you would have wanted us as well, wouldn't you? I think as long as we didn't get Man City. <laughs> well, Man City yeah. or Chelsea. Cause... Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think at that stage for Saints, whoever we got out, you guys was going to be a, a tough game. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, we've had some ding-dong battles over the last few years. I won't mention one result about 18 months ago. I'll leave that one. Uh, Glenn did. No idea what you mean. When I spoke to him about six months ago, Glenn didn't want me to talk about that one either. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough battle. It really is. It's, it's, it's a one-off game. It's, 
it's like a final for both of us, the semi-final. It's going to be like the actual final itself. It's just a shame there's not going to be many fans there from the clubs. I know there's going to be, I think there was something like 4,000 tickets going to yeah. NHS local. Fair enough, yep. Yeah. They've done a wonderful job. Fair enough, thank you. But it would have been nice if there could have been just a few Leicester fans or a few Southampton fans going, which would have been absolutely fantastic. Indeed. And given some of the teams that you've had over the years, um, why do you think Leicester maybe struggled in the FA Cup? Because, you know, we know you've won the League Cup and things like that. But just, yeah, I mean, is there a common theme that you think's run through it? They've not taken it seriously or they've just had bad luck? Or, you know, why do you think it's sort of gone the way it has? Well, the last... Over the last few years, we haven't really taken it that seriously. But then Rogers, uh, Rogers has been in now just over two years. And this year, he played a full-strength squad against Stoke and we won 4-0, which was, when we saw the team, we thought, wow, he's taking this seriously. Uh, but the years before, I don't know. We just, I don't know. It's just one of the things. Under Martin O'Neill, we were a cracking League Cup side, but we weren't a good FA Cup side. I don't know. It's just one of them things. And then we had a bit of spelling in the Championship and in League One, like yourself. You just don't do very well in cup competitions when you're down there, do you? So, look at the draw. We've had a decent draw. We've had some decent mm-hmm. draws in the, the cup this year. Some years we haven't. We've played Spurs a lot of times over the last few years. We've played Man City a few times the last few years. So, sometimes it's the draw, isn't it, that actually doesn't help. I don't know. I don't think there's an answer. I think the players want yeah. to take because I'm a bit old school and I love the FA Cup. We had a poll on our channel on Leicester Fan TV a few months ago. Europa League or FA Cup? I went for FA Cup because I'm old school. I prefer the FA Cup to Europa League. I know winning the Europa League gets you into the Champions League, but the FA Cup is the biggest and oldest trophy in the world. Just to get that monkey off our back would be absolutely fantastic of winning that trophy. It really would. I'd be over the moon. I'd be jumping for joy, pal. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned earlier, obviously, you've been runners-up four previous occasions, lastly in 1968-69, as you mentioned. So, look, I mean, there's obviously two games to go. I, I appreciate you'll, you'll be wanting to, to play it fairly with a straight bat like we will as well. But are you getting the feeling from the way the run's gone this year and beating the likes of Man United and stuff that you can win the cup and kind of go that extra step? Yes and no. It's just one-off games, isn't it? Because there's no replays. It goes straight to extra time, then straight to penalties. You literally just got one shot at it, and that's it. Mm. If you fall at that hurdle, then you're knackered. But it was just the joy of beating Man U in the quarterfinals to get into the semi-final made it even better. If it had been someone, yeah. I don't know, someone, one of the lower teams in the Premier League, it, I don't think it would have been as a joyful occasion as actually beating Man U. And yeah. Brendan Rodgers, he needs a trophy to keep him up there with the Leicester fans. We've done well with top four all season, just missed out last year. But I think now, to prove his worth, we need to have a trophy under his name. I really hope we get a trophy this year. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, obviously, to, to kind of do that, the first step, of course, is, is getting past Saints. Um, I suppose from a, a Leicester point of view then, Jamie, how, how do you see the game going? I mean, both teams have got attacking flair. I mean, we're certainly defensively not as strong as Leicester. I think, you know, we've a habit of shooting ourselves in the foot, and Jamie Vardy always scores a million goals against us and things like that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, do you think it will be, you know, a tight affair, or do you think it will be quite open? Semi-finals and finals are usually a pretty dour affairs, and they're not that good. I think we'll start with a back three, even though Soyuncu is still in Turkey because he got tested positive for coronavirus. Mm. Uh, so he might be back in time. He might not, depending on how, when he gets back. Um, but I think we'll play the back three. And since we've been playing top top, Vardy and Nacho, um, mm. they've been scoring goals for Well, sorry, no. Vardy hasn't been scoring goals for fun. Nacho's been scoring goals for fun. Vardy seems to have dropped off a bit. But it's made Nacho play better playing with two up top. So I think it would be a tight affair. Like I say, semi-finals are not the best of games ever. You very rarely see a really exciting semi-final. 
Uh, I can't quite remember how Southampton play. Do they play three at the back or is it a flat back four for them? He tends to play like a, a 4 2 2 2, which is sort of the two defensive midfielders and then normally like Armstrong and uh, Walcott, it was against um, Burnley last week where they were kind of just yeah. sort of moving across the pitch. And then obviously at that time we had Redmond and Ings up front. So it's quite central, but they have a lot of fluidity at the top. So I don't know if that's easier to defend against or more of a challenge when you've got three at the back, really. See, if Sirunku uh, doesn't play, I think he'll go with a flat back four and bring in Ricardo Pereira's full-back. Um, yeah, Ricardo Pereira at full-back, like he has been playing, and then uh, Albrighton just in front of him. Timmy Castagno on the other side, with maybe Perez. Barnes is unfit, which is Barnes is going to be a huge loss. I think he's back in about two weeks after the semi-final. So if we get to the final, he should be fit for that. But he is absolutely a huge loss. Uh, Madison just played his first 15, 20 minutes. So he should be in line for a place in the semi-final. If Zerunku doesn't play, I think we'll play a 4-4-1-1 with Vardy in yeah, the yeah. top as like a, a bit like a, as old school as you can get as a 4-4-2, which I actually love a 4-4-2. You can't think. <laughs> yeah, so, so I've learned about this, Jamie. You, you love the FA Cup, you love a 4-4-2. You sound like a man after my own heart, to be honest. So. Old school, pal. Me and Phil, the editor on Leicester Fan TV, just love a bit of old school, a bit of 4-4-2. But no one plays it nowadays, do they? No yeah. one plays a proper... 4-4-2. Ralph Arsenault should just come out on a Saturday and play 4-4-2 and the opposition will have no idea how to play against it, would they? I, do. I think people have forgotten about that. Yeah. Even even when we won the league a few years ago, it was a variation on Claudio Ranieri was a 4-4-2 with Ozazaki yeah. uh, and uh, Vardy up top, but it wasn't quite a 4-4-2, but it, it's as close as you're ever going to get, I think that was. Yeah. Look, you obviously mentioned quite rightly it's good that there's some fans going along. Um, just on fans and the atmosphere, I mean, Saints have been to Wembley a couple of times the last four or five years, as you mentioned, for the uh, semi-final against Chelsea, uh, I think 2018, and obviously the League Cup final that we uh, got cruelly beaten by Manchester United the season before. But how frustrating are sort of Leicester fans feeling about that, uh, alongside maybe us as well, that there's not going to be 90,000 there cheering them on like we would all hope because of the sort of unfortunate situation? It's a huge difference. I've been saying this since the project restart last year. I think it makes a huge difference not having fans in the ground. I think that's why there's been so many away wins this year in the mm. grounds because the home team used to dominate because they used to have the crowds behind them. Now they haven't got that impudence to do it. So yeah, it's a huge loss. Like I said earlier, four times we've been, the, we've been in the finalists, four times losing finalists. It will just be this year, it'll be such law that we get to the final. There's no fans that are available. Oh, there might be in the final, but not a full house. Mm. And we'll go and win it because there's no fans. And then we probably won't do it again for another 40 years. It'll just be so cool. But no, it's, a yeah. huge, it's a huge disappointment that uh, we won't be there. The, or majority yeah. of the fans won't be there. Because I'd have busted yeah. the gut to get there to the final. I really would have. Exactly. There's been a lot of Saints fans saying the same thing. It would be very us to win it in the year where fans can't get there. So I think there's a, a lot of similarities there. But uh, just finally, I, I suppose ahead of getting a, a bit of a score prediction, you mentioned Brendan Rodgers earlier and obviously him needing to get a trophy. Of course, these two have been up against each other a couple of times. We got uh, what we called redemption for that 2-1 win at uh, Leicester last season after that score that we don't talk about. But of course, Leicester <laughs> beat us fair and square the other week. And of course, Sod's Law again, we're playing you the week after this. How do you see that sort of tactical battle between Brendan and Ralph going? Because they're obviously quite different, but they've got decent records behind them. I think Brendan, we've seen him now for two years. He's a bit of a tactical change. He tries to make like a tactical masterclass, and sometimes his tactics can be a bit confusing of what he's actually trying to do. But he will throw a curveball in now and again with his team selection. So I think it'd just be the way we like playing with possession now. It's not a big favourite of trying to keep the ball. We're not like Barcelona, ticky-tacky football. We can't quite do that. It's a possession-based game, and we try and break sides down. 
And it sometimes mm. can look a bit boring. And we seem to break teams down more in the second half. We seem to score goals in the second half and very late on in the last 15 minutes. I think we're the most goals scored in the Premier League in the last 15 minutes. But we try and break teams down slowly, slowly. It's a bit of back and back, side to side football. Mm. And then we try and pick the gap. But that's the way Brendan Rodgers plays. It seems to work for him. I was, I was having a bit of a up and down moment with Brendan Rodgers about four or five months ago. But I seem to be on an upward curve with him now. Now he's got us to the semi-final on an upward curve. Yeah, the only thing when you're winning. <laughs> so, yeah. I know. And uh, look, I mean, I've, I've mentioned Vardy from our point of view. Good record against Saints. Madison as well has done well against Saints the last few years. Ayosi Perez is another one who's, who's banging goals. I think he's got two hat-tricks against us in his last four games. So from a Saints point of view, there's lots of threats we're obviously worried about. Just finally from sort of Leicester side of things, is there one or two players that you're potentially worried about and you, you sort of think Leicester will be focusing some attention on? Well, as long as uh, Ward Prowse don't get a free kick or a corner, because we're absolutely nightmares at corners, and his free kick skills are unbelievable. I wouldn't want to give him any room on the ball, because his crossing is pretty good. Our corners, defending at corners, is not the best, to say the least. Mm. It could it could be a hundred times better. Um, Danny Ings, if he's on form, he's scored goals wherever he goes. I know he's had a bit of a a little bit of a lean spell because of injuries and that. And also, you've got the yeah. centre of Vestergaard, is it? Yeah, Vestergaard. He seems to have come along the last 18 months. He seems to have made a huge difference to you boys. He really has. I think we were interested in, not last season, or one of the transfer windows. And everyone was going, why, why him? Why him? But the last 18 months, he seems to have improved an awful lot. They'll be the three that I would be worried about. Ward Prowess, Ings and Vestergaard. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, just lastly then, let's get your match prediction. What do you think the scoreline's going to be? Put you on the spot. Semi-finals are not going to be the best. I can't stand it going to extra time and penalties, so it's going to be done in 90 minutes. Of course, I'm going to go for a Leicester win. I'm going to go for, oh, I don't know. Oh, a nine? No, not nine nil. That's ridiculous. Isn't it? That's not <laughs> I knew you say that. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be a two-one win with maybe Nacho scoring in the last few minutes. But that's the old squeaky bumps on that, isn't it? Last Breaking minute. hearts. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Well, Jamie, thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And before we go, can you tell all the listeners uh, sort of how or where they can find your site if they fancy uh, more FA Cup build-up, uh, including, I know, our own Glenn Ralph Hasen, who told Dillacore is going to be on your show next week. So whereabouts can our listeners find it? We're on most of social media. We're not TikTok or anything like that. We're not on that. <laughs> we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Just put in Leicester Fan TV and you'll find us. And if you want to find me at all, my personal one is the Fox's Arms, because I've got a, a little bar in Alcudia, in the north of uh, New York, Alcudia. I've been here the last 16 years. All fans are welcome. You name it, Southampton. I'll even allow Portsmouth fans in as well, if it's, <laughs> but if it's a job, chuck them out for you Southampton fans. <laughs> yeah, just follow me on the Fox's Arms on Twitter, Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. No, brilliant stuff, Jamie. Well, you guys listening to this pod won't be able to see it, but I'm currently chatting to Jamie uh, on camera. The sun's shining behind him. He's got a beer in his hand, so very envious. But, uh, Jamie, let really do appreciate it. And uh, next Sunday aside, and obviously uh, the week after, uh, the 1st of May, I think it is, we're playing you. Other than that, best of luck for the season. And, uh, really appreciate you joining us on the pod. You're welcome, pal. Not a problem. Really enjoyed it. Much appreciated. Cheers, Ben. Thanks again to Jamie for his time, although we'll all be hoping from a Saints point of view that his 2-1 Leicester prediction doesn't come true. Dan, Jamie thinks it might be quite a, a fairly tight affair given what semi-finals are normally like. Uh, I hesitate to ask this question, bearing in mind what the carnage that's happened with us and Leicester before and you know, coming off the back of the West Brom game, but do you fear it's going to be a, a tight game or do you think it could be quite open? I think it, it'll be a tight game for the part for the opening maybe 20-25 minutes as they figure each other out and see what's going on but then it, it normally takes a goal and then hopefully 
you know the, the game will kick on and become exciting i think a lot of the cup games i've watched when it gets to this sort of stage do tend to be boring because nobody just wants to make a mistake and it's always kind of a narrow one nil or you know it goes into extra time or, or whatever given how many goals southampton have conceded of late i'm sure there will be a couple of goals it's just a case of hopefully southampton score more than leicester but entertaining i'm not banking on it being a truly thrilling game simply because there is still a lot there's a lot of stake for both teams and neither of them are going to want to lose or embarrass themselves so no i don't think it'll be all that entertaining i think it'll be a fairly close fairly close encounter but if leicester score within the first kind of 15 20 25 minutes then if southampton don't show any kind of signs of life then yeah it could definitely turn into a a very long painful evening for for them great um (laughs) and and, uh, peachy from a a ralph point of view um obviously as we'll all remember as saints fans the first time we ever saw him uh, was with uh, ross wilson and katarina lieber etc etc in the balcony at uh, wembley of course uh, as dan mentioned earlier it's the the furthest he's ever got in the cup competition and from ralph's point of view you're going to want to think that he can make a, a, a both an impact but also I suppose trying to overcome the uh, being out tactic uh, by Sam Allardyce which is never a good thing so ha- how do you see the sort of Ralph Brendan Rogers battle going because obviously they're quite different on the touchline aren't they Rogers is quite calm and collective Ralph as we know is very passionate so it'll be interesting to watch those two yeah uh, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle I mean for me kind of echoing what Dan said that the, the start's going to be key I was just going back through thinking I was like we do start games really badly at the moment don't we and then I look back at the results and I was like yep Every game, West Brom, we conceded two in the first half. Burnley, we conceded two in the first half. Brighton, we conceded in the first half. Man City, we conceded two in the first half. I'm not counting the Bournemouth game because that was obviously against championship opposition. So if if we start like that, or anywhere near the performance against West Brom, we're, we're going to be in, you, well, you're going to hear lots of nine nils on the commentary. Just typically, because I just, I think it will run away from us quite quickly because Leicester are a high quality outfit. And Brendan Rodgers has them, but at the same time, I think I think Ralph does have should have something up his sleeve. I, as I said earlier, I think he is a very good manager, and he would he, he has got a side that has lost by that scoreline that shan't be named uh, to beat them within three months uh, away from home. That's I mean, that's an incredible feat, really. Jamie Vardy, I'm sure, will come bite us on the backside now, but he hasn't been in the greatest form recently. Um, Kalechi and Atro is a poacher, so if you can keep the ball away from him, that he's not. I can't see him going on a marauding run around defenders. Uh, they do have this issue with Madison and Hamza Chowdhury and Ayozo Perez, where they they weren't available for the West Ham game for that well documented reason. Is that going to? Are they going to be able to just go and make amends, or is it going to be the fact that they've not played football for two and a half weeks, two weeks, whatever it is? Is that going to be damaging to their performance? So. It, Slavia Prague knocked them out of the Europa League. Slavia Prague are a good side, but then they shouldn't be knocking out a side like Leicester with the quality that they have. So they are susceptible in cup competitions. So look, I'd rather be playing them than Man United, which was the other option. Um, and we have a chance. So let's hope Ralph gets it right and the players turn up. I was going to say, it's a weird semi-final in the sense that you'd have if you looked at it and you'd ask Leicester, who do you want to play? They would yeah. have 100% said Southampton. You, know, you are Southampton. Yeah. You ask Southampton, who do you want to play? They'd have said Leicester. So it, it's a weird semi-final in that sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't fancy either team's chances mm, yeah. in the final. But, I mean, let, let's get past Sunday first. Let yeah. us dream, 
Damn. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, exactly. But no, I, I think you're right, and that's that's obviously what Jamie mentioned earlier, Dan. You're spot on that all the Leicester fans wanted Southampton, and uh, you know I think that's understandable. I'm well, sure I the other clubs did as well. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. All, all three teams wanted Southampton. Of course they did. Of course they did. And uh, Glenn, look, obviously there's a, a big week of training ahead. Um, I, I have to say I agree with Steve. You know, for me, I'd bring Shay Adams in and put a, uh, you know, put him up top. And whether Redmond still finds a, a position somewhere else, we'll wait and see. But from a, a point of view of you know selection and obviously there's a few question marks over some of them now you know he's not got the kind of squad that maybe a Gordon Strachan have where he could suddenly drop five or six of them so changes wise you know again you were impressed by Gineppo when he came on would you start him what would you do from a starting lineup point of view leave them and, and chuck them out there and say prove me wrong well I'd, I'd start Adams certainly up front as Steve said he didn't do anything to deserve to get dropped and he's He's only out the side because Redmond played well against the championship side. And that, that's the reason why, and, and reasonably well against Burnley. So that's the, that's the reason Adams is still out the side. He deserves to, he needs to come back in. Um, and then it's just a case of who takes the other, um, the other spot on the wing. And it'll be one of Walcott, Redmond or Gineppo, I'd have thought, on the, on the wing. And out of, out of those, out of those three, they're all, they're all good in flashes, aren't they? And they've all had good games and they've all had very, very poor games. So, I, to be honest, I'd be I'd be tempted to go with Musa just because it would be add another element of entertainment to the um, to the proceedings. Um, <laughs> you know, because you can never tell what the unpredictability. Yeah. Absolutely. I so, don't think he often knows. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he does. And I don't, I don't the think there's the randomness. <laughs> I don't think there's there's you know we haven't got the squad to make a change in the centre of midfield. It would be nice if Diallo got back to you know he's not had the same form since before his injury. Um, he's not been the same since he's come back, so it would be it'd be good if he clicks back into gear. That would make a huge difference. Um, that's the area of the of the pitch that I think is going to be the the problem because they've got Wilfred and Deedy and Tielemans in there, and probably Madison as well. So that you know that's that's the area where we're going to be tested the most. So we need Diallo to have a big game, and elsewhere the defence and the goalkeeper will be the same. Um, I honestly can't see. I mean, Salisu is the one who's probably, you know, next next in line to come in, but I, I can't see him being picked ahead I mean, of. Bed, uh, Bednarek had another absolute stinker, didn't he? And yes, there's there's been there's been a lot of those, and he and yet he seems to be the one that is kind of immune from 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 anything in terms of being dropped. Yeah, I I, I can't with it with it being the game that it is, I can't see either Bertrand or Bednarek being left out for Salisu to play. No. I, I just. I just I just don't see it. Maybe if it was a league game, you could make an argument for it, but I don't think for this game. I think Bertram will certainly be up for it because it's a because it's a huge game. But um, and and hopefully Bednarek, like Diallo, can get back to the decent form that he showed at the start of the season. Indeed, and uh, probably should just caveat for Diallo. I think uh, yeah, obviously he's still fairly young then, isn't he? And coming to England and playing quite a, a run of games that maybe he didn't expect to to sort of play and things like that. So yeah, hopefully he's learning from these, and uh, you know next season will be a big season for him. But just finally then, Steve. Well, I think we all appreciate how tricky Leicester will be to try and overcome, particularly given the, the goal-scoring records the likes of Vardy and Madison and Iosi Perez etc. have against us. Let, let's try and end on a positive I mean how fantastic would it be for the club to reach uh, another FA Cup final if they play like we know they can which is basically the total opposite of West Brom <laughs> yeah I mean the problem with with the way the game is going these days is that opportunities as a small as a middling to small club to get to a cup final are starting to get fewer and further apart you're not gonna you're not gonna have many teams of of our kind of size and, and stature getting to cup finals now when the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, Man United, I mean, just the, 
the the usual names when their squads are full of full of such depth and quality that their second eleven probably gets into our first and they can kind of just stroll their way through the through the competition and as long as they get a as long as they got fortunate get a fortunate draw and and keep themselves keep themselves apart from each other then you know that come the semi-finals and final it's going to be it's usually going to be one of those big sides so having got if we manage to get there then it's one of those situations you've got to try and take that opportunity because for that set of players it's poss- it's probably not going to come around again and same with Leicester and Leicester Leicester aside that's that's obviously won won something recently but um Brendan Rodgers hasn't won anything for a while um he's certainly not won anything in this country anyway I mean the um winning winning the SPL with with Celtic when Rangers were in the fourth division doesn't really count as a proper trophy in my in my eyes but the the team that he's put together is is an exciting one but it's basically going to go the same way as Pochettino's Spurs team if they're not careful in that it'll be a it'll be a, a team that was that was great to watch but ultimately toothless and didn't actually win anything and we've been we've been very watchable for most of the season I think but I don't think we're in, we're anywhere near the same the same level of sort of potential underachievement as as sides like Leicester and Spurs are in that's for sure all right well let's get on to some predictions then and we're doing two this week our normal score prediction which I'll get from the guys in a minute and uh, simply for a bit of fun as Dan mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back the big question on everyone's lips is whether Ralph Hasenhutl is going to wear a suit on the touchline or a tracksuit on the touchline so alongside getting the match prediction I'm going to ask the guys whether they reckon uh, Ralph will be in a tracksuit or a suit and just for clarification in the terms and conditions tracksuit does include baseball cap so we're not doing tracksuit without baseball cap etc etc it's all of a oneness any Anyway, there's no prediction league points because obviously this is the FA Cup. And Simon, as our well-respected guest, you can start. So what are you going for for score prediction? And what are you going for, Ralph suit or Ralph tracksuit? Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure which one's causing you the most angst. <laughs> well, I can't imagine Ralph in a suit. Actually, I have seen Ralph in a suit. I was at the LMA dinner a few years ago, and it didn't look right. But I hope he wears one because uh, maybe that will show a change in mindset. And... Uh, his little tuft out the back of his cap always annoys me. It's like it's not been cut properly. <laughs> it's like my dad has one. Um, uh... Yeah, so I'm going to say suit. suit in terms right. of the match, I'm going to say 3-1 Southampton because Come on. because I'm trying to be positive. One, I've had a pint today because I went to a beer garden, so it's probably <laughs> running, running wild in my head. And, and the, the last point is we owe Jamie Vardy. I don't know what other people think, but I think he's the reason we didn't win the EFL Cup in 2017 because he injured Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. <clears throat> if we'd had van Dijk, I think we would have won that game. So it's time to get some revenge. So they're my three points. The Saints are going to get three goals, but we're obviously going to concede because we're Southampton. Well said, Simon. I think we'll all uh, take that, won't we? Yeah. Dan, what do you reckon then? Suit, tracksuit and score prediction. See, I've actually given the, the suit one some proper thought. Right. And I think he's going to do a Tony Pulis. Right. Well, I think he's going to turn up in suit a suit. Suit and baseball cap. So I'm talking about on the touchline, Dan. That's the prediction. Yes. So that's fine. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So he's going to turn up in a suit, but then he's going to dash <laughs> all the formalities and he's going to dash to the changing room and they come out in a tracksuit. Yeah, nice. That's, that's what I reckon he's going to do. He's going With to like do a, a puff of smoke or something like that, like top of the pops or something. Well, perhaps. Before yeah, I mean, maybe you get Chris Tarrant there and announce him or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I think he's going to do. I think he's going to 
do a suit and then 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 go and get the tracksuit. So you predict and base then, basically. Kind of, but I think I mean I should get bonus <laughs> so points on that actually. That's that, so that, well, it's not PG because I've given it some proper thought. Is he going to stand up in the press conference like Pulis? That's what Pulis is doing. Stands up <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, press yeah, conference. Yeah. Right, so uh, you're going. We're, we're saying tracksuit for the tuxedo, then that's shower. fine. Yeah, yeah ultimately a tracksuit, but I think he's going to be in a suit to begin with for the right. formalities, yeah. and then he'll get changed like Fair Cody Fulis. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So good. All right, I've written down tracksuit here. And what do you reckon about the score? Well, can we? Will I get bo- a bonus point if the scenario I've just explained does play out? <laughs> I said there I mean? was no prediction points. Honestly, I don't. You're taking this way too seriously, Dan. Well, you know, it's the thought that's in my head to the question. <laughs> um, in terms of score predictions. I want to be positive, I really do, but, but but I can't be. I think Leicester are going to win two one. Two one. All right. I can I can send you another Saints mug if you get it right if you want. Yeah, you have to change the postcode though. Oh, so. okay, well, fine. Well, we'll get the new one, so that's perfect. All right, Glenn, what do you reckon then? Seat, track seat, and score prediction. Come on. Um, I know you don't care, but no, I really don't care. I'd just like to make that abundantly clear right from the start. Um, I say this I think... all the time that you don't care, but. He does. I know. Care. I've noticed over recent weeks that you you do care about these predictions. <laughs> so stop giving it all of that nonsense. <laughs> I only don't care because you lot are so bad. <laughs> I win anyway. I just I just rock up and so Honestly, you become this. a god in the Southampton Australian supporters. I mean, they literally go with whatever you say. So Trevor and the lads down there. But yeah, anyway. I'd like to I'd like to warn them that I've never really made much money from betting on football. <laughs> Nothing at all. Um. So, um. I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no because it's what, he's not wearing anything. No, I'm, no, 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 no. Now we're going all Tony Pulis in the shower now, aren't we? But um, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I think he'll, I think he'll go for the go for the trackies because it's um, it's a semi final. I think with the final it might be different. Yeah, yeah. Um, we may not we get, get that far, there. so I didn't think I could wait nah, to ask the question. <laughs> when we when we get there, especially with people being there, but. Uh, but no, I think uh, I, I, I'll go for the I'll go for the tracky options, and I'm I'm going to go for a two-one win, but I don't know why. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Steve. Um, definitely tracksuit. Um, yeah, I think I think um, protocol might change if stroke when we get um, get to the final, as Glenn said. But I think yeah, I think um, for abide with abide with me, you go for the go for the suit, but not um, sort of for a. And semi-finals kind of just another game, isn't it? I think. Um, so yeah, tracksuit, tracksuit for me. I, oh God, like before, before last night, I was sort of well, well on with us getting um, at least taking the game to extra time. But after last night, Jesus, they they don't have to make it difficult to be positive. Um, oh God, no, I I, I can't. I, I just can't see us winning it at the moment. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully, prove, prove me wrong, lads. That's that's your motivation. Um, yeah. Uh, so just play sport. the podcast in the dressing room before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they're going to put posters yeah, up, on the the up on the wall, lads. I think, I think all um, the hedging from us when we're trying to answer questions like this tells us how we all feel heading into this game, really. Just put Steve. Just put Steve down four 0 for Leicester. <laughs> I think that's where we were getting to. Is it two nil for Leicester? I think. 2-0 Leicester, yeah, all right, good stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I, I agree with you guys. I think uh, I'm confident Ralph will uh, want to try and treat it like any other game if he can, so 100% going for uh, the tracksuit. But I do like that Simon's gone seat, so at least we're not all totally boring. And the more important thing is everyone that's listened to this that's now watching the game will remember this conversation. There'll probably be more interest in Ralph than anything else on the day now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, you guys know me. Uh, I'm fearing the worst, so I've uh, dumbed it down a little bit and gone for 3-1 Leicester. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Ricky Lambert, and you are listening to Total Saints Podcast. Well, a big thanks to all of you for listening to the pod this week. Also to those who've joined Glenn, Steve, Dan and myself. So thanks to Peachy, Victor over in Malta and Jamie at Leicester Fan TV. We'll again be back midweek next week instead of Monday morning, given the late kickoff at Wembley on Sunday night. So if all goes to plan, look out for TSP 158 on Tuesday the 20th of April, depending on where in the world you are, of course. Hopefully we'll be rejoicing in reaching an FA Cup final. Until then, have a good week, fingers crossed, and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.